Greetings, everybody. Welcome to our midweek Bible study. It's Pastor Stan here, and uh, we want to uh, welcome everybody that's joining with us on this live stream, particularly our POS family, our church family, and uh, we trust that uh, you're able to, to watch and join with us. We don't have any worship or anything in our midweek Bible studies, but uh, we do want to open up in prayer and ask the Lord to be with us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for the, the goodness of God that you have poured out upon our lives. We thank you for this day that you've granted to us, Lord, and we are ever grateful for your mercy and loving kindness. And tonight we ask you, Lord, that you'd speak to us, Lord, as we open up our hearts, Lord, even though we're, we're not, there's no worship, Lord God, as it were, in music, yet let your presence be in our midst. Let your anointing flow in this a place wherever we are, in different locations, Lord God, let us experience the touch of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So speak to us tonight, we pray. Bless us and continue to work through us and lead us as you anoint your servant, anoint your people. We give you glory and honor and praise, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, it has been a wonderful week so far since uh, Mother's Day. On Sunday, we had a wonderful time, and, and we've had a great engagement, and we trust you all had a great time with your families over that weekend. And um, so tonight, I know uh, we had uh, talked about, uh, we'd advertise that we would be uh, teaching on uh, parenting uh, with purpose. And this is a two-part lesson, and uh, so next week, we're going to be doing the second part of this lesson along with Sister Robin. She's not here with me tonight, so I'm sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but uh, she'll be joining with me next week uh, for the second part of this lesson. And so it's a continuation of our series on Wednesday nights on relationship matters. And uh, we, again, reiterate the importance of, of our relationships. And sometimes relationships don't necessarily by default uh, become good or healthy, but sometimes when there's dysfunction, when there is a breakdown of, of relationships that, that we need to work on things and we need to be uh, deliberate and intentional to improve our sense of who we are and how we relate to others, ourselves, with our friends, with our family, with our marriages, and, and of course with our children. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, uh, about parenting uh, on purpose or parenting with purpose. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, and I trust you, you do have your Bibles with you tonight, Let's turn to Psalms 127 and verse number 4 to verse 5. Psalms 127, 4 to 5, and I'm reading from the New King James. It says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiverful of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Amen. Uh, I love this text in that it equates the children of, of parents, of a father, as arrows in the hand of a warrior. And uh, in many ways, the, the, this is so true that wherever you point the arrow, that's where it's going to go. That's where you shoot. Wherever you point it, the direction that you aim it at, that's where it's going to end up. And, and I, this is the, the, the main idea. This is the big idea that I want to share with you tonight is the purpose of, of parenting, that there is a direction that like a, a, an arrow, a bow and arrow, and a warrior shoots, that we, we send our children in the direction that we aim them towards. And, and this is very, very crucial. And, and I'm not purporting, of course, to be an expert on parenting. Like many of you uh, parents, I've learned by trial and error. I've learned by, by reading, by uh, discussing with my wife, uh, just some of the principles about parenting. And, and tonight is going to be more based on principles, whereas next week we're going to look at a little bit more of the specifics and the practicals aspect of parenting. But it's important for us to understand what the Bible teaches about parenting and the principles of parenting. Um, you know, of course, in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't really talk or teach about parenting, maybe because he wasn't a parent in his uh, earthly uh, nature. Um, he didn't have any children. And so we don't see very much of, of how, what Jesus uh, had talking about parenting or, or any of the sort. But we can deduct from Scripture, from the Old and New Testament, of certain principles that are key uh, to uh, raising godly children. Uh, you know, there's a saying, it makes you humble to have been a kid, 
when everything was the kid's fault and the parent at a time when everything is the parent's fault. That's kind of how I'm feeling like now. You know, I was raised in a generation where whenever we did something wrong or something went wrong, either in school or on the playground with other kids, with our relatives, that the, the kid, I was to blame. You know, I grew up in a generation where, uh, you know, you cupped a hiding if you did something wrong. And, um, uh, I, you know, I don't know if you saw the video on Mother's Day a service that my, my mom was sharing about discipline and boundaries. And, you know, she's not a big lady. She's a little lady. Um, but, but she had, you know, I grew up fearing my mother, you know, with, she was uh, an expert with the, uh, uh, with the shoes and with the, uh, the clothes, uh, clothes um, hanger wire um, that she would um, smack us or, or um, reprimand us. And, and she was, you know, quite a scary a lady growing up as a kid whenever she, she uh, upset us in any way. Of course, she was a very loving mother. But um, uh, I grew up in a generation where you, you, you hit your kids, you beat your kids. And we're living now in a generation where, you know, kids, are, whenever they don't do well in school, the parents start marching back into the classroom with their children and start to blame the teacher. And, and it's everybody else's fault and never the kids. And so uh, now it becomes the parents' fault uh, when the kid does something wrong. But, of course, it is important for us to understand that the parents have play a huge role in how the children behave, absolutely. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. It is so very, very important. Um, now, saying that, of course, um, you know, the Bible says to spare the rod and spoil the child. And, and you know, I just want to sort of clarify that, that it's not actually against New South Wales law to smack your children. You can smack your kids uh, according to the law in New South Wales, but there are limitations, there are conditions you can't hit them on the head or the neck, and um, you cannot spank your kids in a way that it would be tantamount to abuse, where there is bruising, where there is uh, any kind of wounds that, that are inflicted in a hard way. And I also believe that, that uh, spanking or smacking is only for a certain period of time in the child's life. That, that when a child grows older, you can't, um, when they get past toddlerhood, and I believe that spanking really is for the toddlerhood um, uh, age range, uh, between 12 to, to 5 years old, and, and then beyond that, they begin, kids become smarter, they become uh, a, more immune to the pain, as it were, and because when they're at toddler age, you can't really, uh, they don't really understand when you're trying to teach them something about what they shouldn't do, they don't understand why they shouldn't do it, and so when you try to explain to them when they do something wrong, you, they won't understand it, but the only thing that they can understand is the sensation of pain. But not, again, uh, let me just qualify that, not to the extent where it's abusive, not to the extent where it's, it's really harmful uh, physiologically to the child, but to, for the child to simply understand uh, that what they just did was wrong. And so when you get to an older age, when they hit early um, pre-adolescent uh, period, adolescence, you can't do that anymore. They get too big, and, and they can fight back, and, and they, don't, um, they don't fear the pain any longer. And that's where you have to use reasoning and consequences, of course. Uh, but you still can instill discipline from a position of authority as a parent. All right, so um, New South Wales law doesn't forbid you to smack, but, but there's very, very strict conditions. Okay, and again, um, I would uh, um, condemn anybody that would, any parent that would, would bash their kids in any way. Sometimes I've seen parents hitting the kids on the head, which is, again, against the law. You would not be able to defend that. And, and I think uh, not just that it's illegal, but it's also uh, destructive to a, a child's sense of self-esteem, uh, you know. And, and also it's, it's recommended that you don't smack them with your hands, but you use some kind of object, you know, traditionally in the wooden spoon, um, and, and, and when you threaten with a wooden spoon, it kind of separates between you and the punishment that you're trying to show the child that the punishment that's due because of their action, not because of you personally. Um, and, and so all of those things we're going to discuss over the next couple of weeks. Amen. And, and so it's uh, absolutely crucial for us to understand the purpose of parenting. Parents must keep uh, their sense of understanding responsibility clearly in mind. Uh, that um, your goal as a parent is to try and nurture your children. And, 
And so we must, as parents, set goals, okay? I understand we set goals for all kinds of things. We, we set financial goals. We have a goals, you know, diet goals or, or weight goals or um, goals at work, the certain amount of money that we would want to achieve and so on. And, and oftentimes, parenting is not something that you equate with goals. It's just something that you do. Okay, it's just something that, you know, I have children and, and you know, we just got to feed them, make sure they're all right, and we just live our lives. There's really no particular goal. But, but like, again, that analogy of the arrow, the bow and arrow, that, that you have to aim your children at a particular direction that you want them to go. And so you have to set goals for yourself as a parent uh, for your children. Whether you like it or not, if you have children, you must recognize that you are responsible. Okay, so that's the first thing I want you to understand is that we are responsible uh, for our children and to raise them properly. Parenting is very important. And if we have children, a successful parent is something uh, we desperately want to be. Okay, it is the most important thing when you have children that, that you can have in your life. And it is more important than your career. Parenting is more important than, than all the things uh, that, that makes up our lives at times, even all of the extracurricular activities that we have. Parenting trumps uh, in the level of importance over any of those things. And um, the stronger our desire, the greater may be at times our confusion because we have this desire to succeed and um, you know, we're not entirely sure we're fitting the children into our lives and then we are conflicted with thoughts. Should we be strict or should we be lenient, uh, demanding or, or accepting? You know, we hear so many different gurus about, about uh, parenting and, you know, uh, we're not entirely sure. Should we try harder or, or not so hard? Should we punish or should we just talk? Should we restrict or should we liberate our children? Should we listen to the experts or, or just do what comes naturally or do what, what we were raised to do and and perhaps it wasn't always the best necessarily. So parents tend to, to quake and vacillate between uh, these uh, the conflicting ideas. As one mother said recently, uh, she said, I'm strict until I can't stand myself, and then I'm lenient until I can't stand my kids. I think that's something that, that we could all relate to as parents. Uh, parenting, as somebody said, I love this analogy, is like flying a kite. When you fly a kite, you, you hold it by the string, uh, and, and there's the, that tension with the string, and the kite is, is um, flying by, by the wind. And if, as, a, as you're holding that, if you pull down on the kite too strongly or, or too hard, it, it could lose that, that sense of flight, and it will crash down to the earth. But if you, if you just let the, the kite go, uh, then, then you'll lose it, and, and it will just drift away, and, and you won't have it any longer. And I think parenting is, is a bit like that kind of tension. It's a little bit like that kind of balance that, that you, you have to hold them in tension. You have to provide uh, a certain structures, teach them boundaries, train them. But at the same time, you can't, you can't be a, a tyrant over your children. You obviously cannot be abusive to, towards children. And you can't uh, um, extinguish that sense of autonomy that will begin to increase as they grow older and older. And, and, of course, the way that you fly the kite will begin to change. The amount of tension will begin to change because the wind will get stronger. They'll want to, to fly off, off more, and then you'll have to hold it a little stronger, but yet again, not too hard. Otherwise, it will fall flat. And it's the same with the different stages of life that children go through. Uh, there are different um, approaches. You can't treat your adolescent like you used to treat them when they were uh, just a toddler, when they were in their terrible twos or... Uh, ter terrorizing three, some, some parents would call it. Um, but you have to approach it in different, uh, with different uh, levels of, of tension and different structures. And so it's, it's a balancing act in many ways. It's to um, uh, hold in tension, but not too harsh. In 1975, the famous Dr. Spock blamed uh, child psychiatrists and psychologists and teachers, social workers and pediatricians for persuading parents that the experts know best, with the result that many parents now regard themselves as ignorant and incompetent. And I think uh, that is true. And, and, and I want to commend many parents, particularly in uh, the Pentecostals of Sydney. Many of them are excellent parents, are great parents. 
and, and um, you know, people have different styles of parenting, uh, depending on your culture, depending on your, your upbringing, and, and there's different ways and, and view, view, view things very differently in, in different uh, uh, family settings. And so uh, we have a lot of parents who've done very, very well. But, um, you know, and, and I think there is within us, innately, there's a sense of that we can, we can know how to, how to uh, raise our children. And for the most part, uh, I think, you know, we, we can get a sense of whether our children are doing good or not, whether we are doing good. But again, as I said, we learn by trial and error, uh, oftentimes. And, and again, I don't want you to beat yourself up if, if you know, perhaps your, your children have strayed and we've done the best that we can. Um, you know, that's the best that we can do at that time. And, and we, now we know better. And we grow and we learn. And, and I want to encourage you today that, that you don't never ever stop learning how to become a better at, at things, including parenting. And so we can learn from the experts, but... But don't think that, that you are a void of any, any kind of wisdom. You have wisdom as a parent. If you love your children, that love will help you to grow in your understanding. But we can also learn from others. Too many parents simply don't want to accept their responsibility as parents. They expect others to raise their children. Now, we're living in a, a, almost a, like a, a welfare state generation where you know, particularly in our country where we are given everything. If we don't have a house, we, we can get uh, a housing from the department, the Department of Housing. We, if we don't have a job, we'll get money from the government. If we, uh, you know, don't have uh, certain uh, things in life that we, the government gives to us. We got Medicare for when we're sick. And so we can often take that, that mentality that, that somebody else is going to do it. You know, I'll just make sure they get to, to youth every Friday and then the young people... Uh, the youth department can, can, you know, make my children more spiritual or, or we, uh, you know, expect them when they're in school every day. So the school has to look after them. No, still majority of the influences of children are from their parents. And so it is our responsibility that we do uh, everything that we can uh, to uh, raise our children the best way that we can. Okay. Um, and of course, Sometimes people have ulterior motives. You know, they, you know, we want to stick them in front of a, a TV, an idiot box, or give them a device, and the device will raise our kids. Or we have a, a nanny or a babysitter. The babysitter will raise our kids. And while we go off and, and do what we find is our interest, the things that we want to do, and then we'll just, just have a nice-looking family. No, our primary responsibility is in a relationship. Yes, we've got to provide the food. We've got to go to work, put a, head over, uh, put a roof over their heads, clothes on their backs, but more than that, uh, we, we have to have that relationship with them where we can provide some kind of influence for them to, to learn how to be Christians, for them to learn how to treat other people with respect and how to value things. Uh, and so uh, that has to be part of our goal, that it is our responsibility. Um, you might even say, well, you know, I wasn't expecting... This child, this child, you know, was an accident. Ever hear a family say that? And, and of course, um, they, what they were saying was that, you know, they weren't ex expecting, they weren't planning for the child. But, you know, <laughs> if that's the consequence of, of whatever you do. Um, but the fact is that if you choose to participate in the act of, of making babies, it results in a child, then you're responsible for any child that you bring into the world. And not the government, not anybody else, not the church, not the schools, not uh, any, anybody else, but you yourself. Okay? And God holds us responsible for raising our children. He holds us responsible for raising them. Titus chapter 2, verse number 4, it says that they may teach the young women to be sober to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Okay, so uh, women are commanded to love their husbands and love their children. Okay, uh, young women should be taught to love their children, and love requires care and nurturing. And this is something... Uh, that, uh, that can and must be learned, okay? 
Ephesians 6 and 4. Ephesians 6 and 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so again, I've heard and, and, and perhaps I've thought this myself, that you know, fathers will leave the, the raising of the children to the mom. You, be, you, you look after them, I've got to go to work. Well, here the scriptures clearly teach us that the fathers are commanded to not provoke the children. Of course, I think there's an a innate quality within dads that we, we tend to tease and play with our kids and sometimes to the extent of provoking them to, to anger. But also part of this is to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So that means we are responsible for the teaching of our children. Dads, fathers are responsible for the uh, training of teaching them and the instruction of God's word. Okay? This is a commandment. We are responsible. We can't shirk our duty. And, and I understandably, of course, if, if you have the, the traditional roles where your, the husband is working, the father is working, and the mother is able to stay home and work at home, as it were, because raising children is work. It is a job, absolutely. Uh, but, and, and the mother may be the primary caregiver uh, for the children, I understand. But as fathers, we have to find a way where we can uh, interject and be involved and make sure that we are training our kids. And whenever we're not at work, we need to be spending time with our kids to raise them up. Uh, Genesis 18 and 19. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So here we see that God approved of Abraham because he commanded his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. He didn't leave this duty. He didn't pass the buck of this responsibility. But, but he uh, himself, Abraham himself, was responsible for, for teaching God's commandment to his own household, his children. Amen. As opposed to, say, somebody like uh, the priest, high priest Eli, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse, verse 12 to 14, he teaches us, shows us that Eli's sons became corrupt, and God held Eli accountable for that. Eli just allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do, to, to go out and sin and to uh, indulge in all kinds of, uh, of evil as they were priests themselves. And Eli forsook his responsibility. He negated his responsibility to bring correction to his sons, which inevitably uh, brought uh, their demise and destruction. And, and that's when Samuel came up and God raised up Samuel to be the prophet of God. And so... Uh, we must understand that this is our goal. Our goal is to take responsibility uh, in raising our children. All right, number two. Uh, the second point I want to make is some goals are proper but are not the main goal. Okay, some goals are proper. They're fine, but they are not the main goal. Okay, parents have various goals in raising children. Some parents emphasize the goals that are of a little importance that are not very significant in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and that can often become problematic later on and, and in the bigger picture. Uh, you know, some parents may emphasize uh, the importance of pursuit of, of wealth or physical beauty, athletic achievement, popularity. Um, there are other goals that the parents uh, pursue for their children. And we should, of course, meet the physical needs of our children. We should do our, our very best to give them a good education. We want to make sure that they're stimulated, that they're getting physical exercise, they're enjoying some kind of sport. Absolutely. And we have to meet the needs for our children. We have to provide for them in all aspects, that they may be whole in all aspects of their lives. We have to provide primarily for them. But these are not our primary goals alone. And these are uh, secondary goals, as it were. These are peripheral issues. And many parents become so concerned about these physical pursuits. And they go through all kinds of, of uh, uh, aims and, and all kinds of things in their lives that they, they engage their children in sport, they engage them in, in music. You know, 
Like in, in a week, you know, every night there's something going on. There's this piano practice and there's dance practice and there's uh, football and there's tennis. And, the, and, and I'm all for that. I love sport. But make sure it is not the number one goal, that it's not the primary goal, that, and, and, and that it does not affect your primary goal that it does not affect their ability to, to be in the house of God and to, to worship the Lord because wherever you aim that arrow, that's where they're going to go. If you show to them and you emphasize to them that the, what, what makes their life uh, important and significant is, is by them achieving this and that and the other, whether it's sport, whether it's uh, um, uh, academic achievement. And again, those things are good. But if that's the, the direction that their arrow is going towards, then, then you don't be surprised if your children are not living for God necessarily, okay? Now, uh, again, I, I need to make a disclaimer, of course, that, you know, there is a scripture in God's word, and now we'll get to that, that, you know, young people are going to be responsible eventually as they get older for what they decide. And so uh, there's a limit to, to um, what we can actually make them do, of course, um, let me just, uh, before I get ahead of myself, let me, let me just read to you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 16 and 26 simply says, What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Likewise, what profit are we to our children if we give them all the world has to offer, but they are eternally lost? Okay, so be careful in all of the... Uh, the things that we're trying to give our children, expose them to many things that they may become wise and well-rounded, that their, their direction doesn't become the achievement of these things, okay? They are peripheral. They are secondary to the overall goal. I heard of one lady whose daughter was named the high school homecoming queen. This is in the United States, and the mother said this was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to her. And when success in temporal things is our greatest joy, it is a little wonder than, that our children don't serve God. And sure enough, this woman's daughter never became a Christian. The result of these approaches is exactly what we see in society today. Children who have a host of physical advantages, but neither godly, are neither godly nor happy. Um, while on the other hand, there are some families who don't have very much, who are not very wealthy, yet uh, they, they put in God first and, and teaching their family, their children, in the ways of God and that God's, uh, their children are living for God today. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 10. Deuteronomy 18 10, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. Now, this is a, a strange commandment, but this was in reference to the children of Israel that God was speaking to who were surrounded by nations that served idols and pagan gods. And some of those gods, like Molech, where they would sacrifice the people who served those gods, sacrifice their own children to their God by throwing their babies in the fire. And you think, wow, this is a horrible thing. Uh, but uh, can I tell you that, that we can also, in a sense, sacrifice our children to pagan gods and to idols and to pursuits that become an idol, to things and ideas that becomes an idol that anything that gets in the way of serving the one true God can become an idol, it can become a pagan, to where our children can end up following that. And so if you emphasize uh, things to be more important than God, more important than church, you emphasize sport and you emphasize uh, uh, the achievement of wealth, you emphasize uh, culture even over the things of God, then you can expect that they may not necessarily be following God all their lives. or They may put other things uh, as more important than God. So here's the main goal. Number three, third point I'd like to make, very simply. The main goal is to train our children to serve God so they can walk and receive eternal life. Our main goal is to train our children to serve God so that they can receive eternal life. Okay? 
Proverbs 22 and 6, here it is. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I have to warn you that I, I don't believe that this proverb is prescriptive, but it is descriptive. Okay, so uh, because there are exceptions to this, and even in Scripture there are exceptions to this, but for majority of the time, if you train up a child in the way, if you shoot the arrow in the way that he should go, uh, that's where he's going to end up. That's where he's going to go. And, and of course, there's going to be exceptions to this because, uh, you know, people are still have free will. Okay, when the child grows up into adulthood and he uh, assumes autonomy for his life, a sense of independence, then it's, he still has a free will to choose God or not. And, and I've seen, and, and I can testify and seen of, of families in the kingdom of God, in the church, who, who live godly, who, who um, raise up their children the best way that they, they can in the word of God, who prioritize church, who prioritize prayer, and yet their children still walk away from God. And so I, I want to uh, make that, I want to show you that tension, that yes, this is uh, descriptive, not prescriptive, that we train up a child in the way they should go, and, and for most of the time, he will not depart from it, because he still has free will. It's not a forced thing. It's not like a program that this, this has to happen. But for majority of the time, it, I believe that it will happen as we train up the child in the way that he should go or he and she should go. They will not depart from it even when they're old. Uh, I think it was the, uh, the psychologist Erickson who uh, uh, came up with the theory of, of, of nature versus nurture. Uh, you know, he's saying that the children grow up to be adults and who they are as adults is a result of, is it a result? He asked the question, is it a result of either the nurturing or the nature of the person? Is it the nurturing or the parenting and the care that they received? Or is it within themselves that they became the way that they are just because that's how they were built? That's how they were created. That's how they were hardwired. Well, the answer to a lot of these issues, of course, is often it's found usually in the middle. It's both their nature, that they will be a certain way, and it's also part of the nurturing that they received. Uh, I've seen where um, young people who have grown up in difficult situations whose parents didn't live for God, and, and yet somehow as they grew, they, they came to live for God, and they came to found, found God, and, and they made that change despite of the difficult environment there you know we often say we are we are, we're products of our environment yes we are but we're also products of who we are biologically and, and innately uh, but at the same time uh, the the environment the nurturing has a huge part in, in playing playing uh, to influence a person's uh, character and their overall being so uh, it's found the truth is often found in the middle amen and so, uh, bring up your children in the fear and admission. Well, that's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. It says, bring your children up in the training and admonition of the Lord. There's the simple commandment. We are to bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I read a different version earlier. Genesis 18 and 19, Abraham commanded, Genesis 18 and 19, uh, 18 and 19 Abraham commanded his children to keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, this should be the goal for all fathers who are truly faithful to God. Okay? Um, again, repeating that text. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9, and, and this is one of, our, one of our favorite scriptures, and of course within our movement, this is our, our favorite scriptures. This is what, what is known as the Shema in the Hebrew. This is what uh, Hebrew children are taught to memorize. This is the first prayer that they are taught to, to pray. And it simply says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. There it is. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. There it is. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. 
Okay, and, and some would argue, well, that was during the days before we had uh, organized school. Yes, by all means, of course. And, and we're thankful for schools. But it's saying, it's teaching that uh, when you're uh, walking in the way, you should talk with them when you sit in your house, when you're walking your way, when you lie down, when you rise up. What, what the commandment is in, in the daily routine, in, in, the, in the regular uh, uh, process of life, of daily life, we are to engage our children in teaching them diligently. You've you got to work hard at it. it. It requires hard work. It requires uh, you know, some, some diligence and some effort, a bit of elbow grease, and try to get this happening. And so when we do that, it says, and it co continues on in verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so uh, sometimes you see this. I remember going to, uh, we had a uh, connect group one time many years ago with uh, Sister Emma uh, Oberhaus's boss's house in, in Bellevue Hill, a beautiful home, very expensive home, and it was owned by her, her employers who were Jews, and, and on their doorpost, by the door, uh, you know, there's a little metal box, and, and she would say, tell us that the kids um, of the household, whenever they would leave the house, they would touch it and kiss it, and, um, you know, and it, it was just something that they had been accustomed to doing because it was to remind them of this commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you are to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, um, and this responsibility, again, it falls on uh, the parents to teach our children to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates and uh, you should buy, you know, that's why they have, I don't know if you've ever seen um, Hasidic Jews uh, who uh, have these uh, black tape that they put around their arms and they have this box on their forehead that they would tie. And, and within that box and on the, the, those strips of, of, of tape or a ribbon were scriptures that they would remember, that they would memorize. And, and it was something that God wanted them to understand. And that's what we've got to do, folks, is we've got to teach our children God's word. We've got to show them and, and encourage them that uh, regardless of whatever pursuits that they follow in life, there is a one number one goal that they need to have, that at the end of all this, that they must be saved. Because even if they become doctors and lawyers and have more degrees than a thermometer, and thank God for, for education and for smart kids, thank God for their achievements, but all of that would be wasted. All of that would be nothing. In fact, all of that could even be a detriment if we elevate that above the number one goal, and that is for them to know God, to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to be saved And when their life on earth is through, that they will be in eternity with Jesus. Because I, I don't think there's anything more heartbreaking. And, and, and you know, I, I, I empathize with any parent who, whose children are not living for God, and who could be in jeopardy of that. And, and I want to encourage you again that, that your prayers are very powerful. Though When you've done everything that you can do, that we can pray and ask God to intervene, and I believe He will. But again, somehow our love for them, reaching out to them, uh, will, will hopefully be able to reach them. And so our goal is to get them saved. That would be, listen to me, if, if your children never uh, go to uni, if they don't you know, make a million dollars, and yet they end up in heaven... It, it is the greatest success that you could ever experience in this world. Our goal, our, our, it needs to be singularly focused. Uh, all those other things, that's great. Enjoy that. Achieve great things. If you become a CEO of a company, if you become a doctor, if you become uh, you know, a, a boss somewhere, that's wonderful. But that's just simply a, a side thing, if you would. But our number one purpose and goal is, is to make it to heaven is to live for God. And that's why we have to be very singularly focused and uh, uh, be focused on this purpose of getting our children saved, getting them to heaven no matter what. Joshua said it so beautifully, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And we should constantly keep this as a goal before us. That I'm not, I don't want to go to heaven just by myself, just me and my wife. I want my children to be there. And I want to do everything that I can 
to emphasize to them the importance of God and the church. And, uh, you know, this is the most important thing. And in church comes with all of God's blessings, with all of God's goodness. Amen. Malachi 2 and 15, and I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures here tonight, but uh, as I said, next week we'll get more into the practical things of, of parenting. Malachi 2 and 15 says, And did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed, therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. What's God after? What's he seeking? When he puts a man and woman together in marriage, that they would have a godly offspring. Our children, listen to me, they're not given to us as our property. They're not to be our slaves, but they are given to us. God, it's God's children. It's God's babies. They're given to us to look after them. And you ought to change everything that you need to change in your life to ensure that you provide a nurturing environment, one where, where the, your children can see God. And I think that's, uh, that's the first understanding of raising our children to, to be godly, is that we have to be godly, is that it begins with us, because uh, they may see us come to church on a Sunday, and yet the rest of the week, we're, we're living like we're not a Christian. And that's where we can't expect our children to do otherwise. We have to walk in godliness, in holiness, and in righteousness, and... Um, Maybe for, for some of you that are listening to here today and you're not a parent, this is also for you because you'll also maybe at one stage be able to, to have children and to, or to have others that you can lead and you can mentor and that you can be like a, a, a parent figure, a father figure, a mother figure that you can be to somebody. Is that your example is the most important thing. It, it speaks louder. As they said, actions speak louder than words. And so we have to be very, very mindful of uh, our example in leading children to God. We say, well, you know, I want you to be saved, but just don't do what I do. Okay, I want you to go to heaven, but I'm just living my own life. No, if we want to see our children being godly and go to heaven, we've got to make sure that we ourselves are leading the way in, into that, in that particular goal and purpose. Amen. It is of the most serious of all responsibilities. Proverbs 23 and 13. Do not withhold correction from a child. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Okay, so again, it doesn't mean to, to, to break their backs and to, and of course you can't do that now. But the, the rod of correction, there needs to be correction. Okay, and that's what we're going to be focusing on more next week about boundaries. We're going to be talking about boundaries. We're going to be talking about teaching our children how to, to discipline, to show respect and resilience. But we have to provide some kind of, the rod represents authority. That They have to know that there's an authority. You know, we, got, we see so many kids today where, uh, you know, I go to a shopping center and, and seeing this kids just kind of swearing at their mom and, and telling her where to go. And, and it's like seven or eight years old. And the mom, you know, is obviously very embarrassed. And, and, um, but you could see that, that she's kind of lost control of this child. And, um, and I'm not saying that, that you know, she, she probably couldn't do anything and maybe behind closed doors, but, but it's in those early stages as well that the kids have to know that there's an authority. They have to be corrected. And that responsibility can't be left to the police. It can't be left to family and community services. It's got to be the parents. It, this is very, very serious. And you do that because you might just save that soul from hell. Because if they can't respect the authority of the parents, then they may not ever respect the authority of, of the police, the authority in the country, and of course, the authority of God. And, and it's been often said, you might be the only God that your children will see at that tender age. And so we have to, in a sense, portray and we have to model not only God's love yes absolutely and that's where the balance comes in of love and discipline but but we have to model the love of God but also model his discipline and so this is a great challenge and if you're a single parent uh, a single father a single mother uh, that and you have more than one child and that that 
I mean, even if just with one child, it can be tremendously challenging and difficult. But I want to urge you that with the help of God, with the Spirit of God, uh, He will give you the wherewithal by which we can become better and better at, at showing our children authority and respect for our kids. I like what Jordan Peterson said. He said, don't allow your children or don't tolerate your children doing things that would make you dislike them. Okay, if the, your child does something that will cause you to dislike your child, don't tolerate that. You have to bring correction. You have to bring discipline. You have to teach them. And again, um, it's, I know it can be frustrating, and sometimes parents just resort to violence if that's what you were brought up with. Again, you don't have to do that. But you can resort to measures that will bring authority, that will bring boundaries into your children's lives. Amen. Uh, heard of a preacher who always said, who repeatedly said that every family has a black sheep. And uh, of course, that, that's not a scripture. That's not in the Bible. Uh, but he believed it. And sure enough, he raised two of them, <laughs> two black sheep. But if you think you can't raise godly children, you are already defeated before you started. I believe you can. And maybe you think, well, it's too late. My kids are, are, are teenagers now. It's harder. It's not too late to begin to draw the lines and the boundaries for children, for them to know and respect. And, and they may not like you. And let me tell you, you are not, as a parent, your responsibility is not to be your child's best friend. You're not to be necessarily their buddy. And, and if you get along with your children like friends, that's wonderful. But before that, first and foremost, you are to be their authority figure. You are to be their teacher and provider of discipline and teacher teach them how to have how to have godly boundaries amen so uh, we have so many uh, choices today and and your choice will determine may determine your children's destiny and, and it's not beyond it's it's not uh, too late as I said for us to bring correction into the way that we we bring discipline and bring change and parenting to our, our children, and, but it's going to require diligence and training. And so, um, number one responsibility. It's, it's our responsibility, first of all, as parents, and our number one responsibility is to make sure our children get to heaven and are saved. Let's not make the mistake of, you know, like a, a baseball team, for example, who who wear all the nice gear and who got all the equipment and, and who may even do some advertising. But if they're not playing baseball, they're not a baseball team. If you're not parenting, you're not a parent, okay? And so we must uh, be uh, intentional and deliberate in raising our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We heard a wonderful message a couple of weeks ago uh, from Brother Luami Diaz uh, about our, our families, our children. That, that, you know, there's no greater joy than to see our own children serving the Lord and living for God. And, and to me, that is the most important thing. Yeah, we want to ex I want to expose our children to, to, to learning how to play an instrument, to playing a sport, to getting a good education, to, to have making goals and plans. But they also have to know that, that above everything else, number one is that they have to live for God and serve the Lord. And as I said, it's like a kite. Sometimes you've got to pull a little harder. Sometimes you've just got to let it go. It's a little bit of give and take. But understand, when we follow and we hold to that tension with the best of our ability through the power of God, we will be able to raise godly children who will live for God. Amen. Well, that's all I want to share with you tonight. And I want to just uh, encourage you, if you're a parent, um, that, that you can start again we can do better and the bible says you know i can do all things paul said through christ which strengthens me that's not just for ministry that's for all aspects of life including parenting he will give us the help that we need and the ability that we need to make sure that we we can uh, give our children the best nurturing that they can live for god amen as i said next week we'll continue on and we're going to talk about uh, about boundaries with children and instilling the sense of discipline, taking responsibility, and, and also uh, building resilience 
in our children, uh, that they don't just give up so quickly. So if you are listening to this, I want to thank you for being a part of this lesson tonight. And we just want to pray and ask God to, to have his way and help us as parents and continue to give us his wisdom and understanding. So let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you once again for this time that we have. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us as parents and, and those that will be parents and those that, that are parents in some way as, as step-parents or as uh, foster parents, as, as mentors even of, of others that, that may be discipling younger ones. I pray, Lord, you would give us that, that understanding once again in our spirits, in our hearts, to take the responsibility of rearing our children in the, the word of God and according to your commandments in a way that is pleasing to you, that they may know their direction, Lord God, is you. You are their focus, you are the goal, you are the purpose. And while they, they fulfill all of the other responsibilities required of them uh, as they grow older and as that increases, as their age increases, but Lord God, let them never lose sight of the call and the purpose to serve you, to love you, and to, to be with you forevermore. So bless us, Lord, even as parents who've made mistakes time and again. Perhaps we have parents who feel like they're a failure, uh, Lord God, who may feel condemned, Lord God, because perhaps their own older children are not living for God. I pray that you would uh, take away every condemnation, Lord God, that we would not uh, feel, Lord God, that, that it's all on us. But Lord Jesus, help us uh, from this day forward to continue to improve, even with our adult children, with uh, those that the children that have grown and have started families of their own. I pray as parents that we would learn to, to uh, Lord, once again reconnect and, and to uh, model, no longer having authority as it were, but to model love and care and, 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 uh, and uh, unconditional uh, shepherding and love. So bless us now, we pray. Thank you for all that you've done. Bless all of our families. We think of all of the families that are uh, part of this church. Continue to lead and guide and direct us. And uh, Lord, free us from this virus. Lord God, let the restrictions uh, continue to be removed. And Lord God, let us be brought back again into the house of God where we can worship you freely. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as I said, thank you once again for joining with us tonight. And uh, we are, the, by tomorrow, by Friday, uh, we're allowed to have 10 more people um, that can come to church, and, and there will be some more, and hopefully in the coming weeks that will increase. So we will be having a few more people in church, but again, that's limited to what we're allowed. So we look forward to being with all of you. Please follow our daily devotions every morning from our different ones that are sharing. Also, Friday night, uh, the National Youth Ministries, Brother Jonathan Downs will be ministering for all of our youth, our young people at 7.30, 7.45. Please join us for that. And, of course, our Sunday uh, services uh, will be starting a new series this coming Sunday. We're very excited about it. So God bless you, and see you again soon. Thank you.